Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, here's this week's message. Love to hear you guys sing. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you want to be turning to the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy. While you're turning there, uh, we wrapped up our study just prior to Easter of the book of Genesis. And uh, if you're one of those people who like to know where we're headed, then uh, at least tentatively right now, we will be going through First and Second Timothy during uh, the next few weeks through the summer. And then we will turn our attention to the book of John this fall. Uh, let me say thank you. Uh, we, we had close to 300 people here last week, and what most of us, I think, realize is uh, every Sunday, no matter how many people are here, it takes a large group of people who are working, uh, children's workers, nursery workers, media team, worship team, and so uh, they have been working so diligently and uh, working many, many long hours, and so I want to say uh, from the staff uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do to keep our church focused on Jesus. I'm very, very grateful uh, for that. Um, a couple weeks ago, we had our uh, talent show, and despite the question of whether or not there was any talent, I'll let you be the judge of that if you were here. Uh, I think we raised close to $2,000 for our building uh, project, and yesterday with our barbecue fundraiser, praise the Lord for that. Thank you, thank you for your continued giving. Uh, yesterday with our barbecue fundraiser, we raised another uh, almost $1,000, so God is on the move. So praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Um, and let me say thank you to Matt and Courtney and Joshua. Uh, it takes uh, great courage to, uh, to be baptized, especially in our situation we have up here in front of a crowd of people that are watching to see if we're going to be able to survive it or not, which is why I didn't put my jacket back on because I'm a little damp. So I got baptized a second time this morning if the first time didn't take. So uh, anyway, anyway, good, good to see you and to have you here. First Timothy, we're going to talk this morning about um, something that we say in our core values as a church is important to us. And if you're visiting this morning, I want you to know this is important to us. And that is this, that we are a multi-generational church. Uh, what does that mean? Does it mean that we just have people from generations present? No, it's more than that, or it should be more than that. And as we start our study this morning in 1 Timothy, we're going to pick up on a few things that Paul is trying to tell his son in the faith, Timothy, that I think are very important for us to consider as a church uh, family. So let's read it together. We're just going to look at the first six or seven verses uh, this morning. First Timothy chapter one, Paul says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God, our savior and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope to Timothy, my true child in the faith. Some translations may say my true son in the faith. 
Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me stop right there. Great introduction. Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I read the introductions to some of the letters, especially those in the New Testament, most of which we know were written by Paul. Uh, and I skim across some things that are very important. He starts uh, right out of the gate with his introduction, telling who he is. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. He talks about his identity and how important that is. And one of the reasons that we have baptism, and one of the reasons that's important, and Jesus demonstrated that in the Scriptures, is because when we're baptized, it identifies us with being a follower of Jesus. And identity is very, very important. Uh, knowing who we are is very, very important. Uh, we can't actually live out our faith if we don't know who we are as a child of God, as a Christian, as a disciple. And Paul, right out of the gate, says, Here I am, I am an apostle of Christ Jesus. But then he says something else that's very interesting. And if you look in the original language in the Greek, when he says, According to the command of God our Savior, it's almost as if he is kind of poking at the officials of the day. Because what some of us will remember is, at that time uh, in history, there was a uh, leader, a Roman emperor named Nero, and he was the only one that was supposed to be called Savior. And so as Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, he's kind of poking, saying, I know that the world is saying that Nero is the Savior, but just a reminder, there's only one. And his name is Jesus. So to skim over those first couple of verses would be a mistake because he's setting the stage. Everything he's going to say to his son in the faith, Timothy, is on the foundation that Jesus Christ is the Savior and he is the one to whom I am serving. He identified the real Savior of the world. Well, he's writing to Timothy. He says to Timothy, my true son in the faith. And what you might know is if you study the book of Acts, the book of Acts tells us that Timothy came from a city known as Lystra. It was a city in the province of Galatia, where Paul also wrote a letter to those folks, the letter of Galatians. Uh, it was a province there. He was the son, Timothy was the son of a Greek father and a Jewish mother named Eunice. We'll find that out in the book of 2 Timothy. And his mother and grandmother taught him the Scripture. Taught him to understand the scripture from the time of his youth. We'll find that out in 2 Timothy as well. So when Paul writes this letter to Timothy, his son in the faith, he considers him a true child in the faith, probably because more than likely, Paul was the one who had the opportunity to lead Timothy and some of his relatives to faith in Jesus on his first missionary journey. So he gives him some instructions. Verse 3, he says, I, ur I urge you, Upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus in order that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God which is by faith. Some translations say, um, I think use the word edification, rather than edifying others, you're just using mere speculation. Verse 5, But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussion. 
wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they're saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. I love some of the phrases that Paul uses when he's writing to Timothy. So what is he trying to say to us? There's a lot that Paul is trying to say to Timothy and a lot that we can take away uh, as a church known as Crossroads that desires to be multi-generational. What are some of those things? Well, before we get to some of the notes on the screen or in your handout, uh, I want to give you some other things that I studied even in the last couple of days. Timothy had an assignment. Everyone in here, pastor included, have an assignment for a child of God. We're, we are not to be couch potatoes. God has a job, a purpose for which we are created, something for us to do. If we're still breathing and we're still gasping for air and still intaking air, God has something for us to do. He has an assignment. He had an assignment for Timothy. What happened and what Paul was worried about and what happens in our world, we're no different, is that things can uh, take us away from our assignment. We can have distractions. uh, We can have detours. We can have deceptions. The three D's, I like to call them. Those are things that can take us away from the assignment that God has called us to do. And what are some of those uh, D's, if you will, that Paul mentions to Timothy? He mentions several of them. He talks about myths. He talks about speculations. He talks about fruitless discussions. Things that can steer Timothy away from what Paul left him an assignment to do. And there are... Many, many distractions and things that can deter us as well in our world. So this morning, I I want us to kind of look at what Paul is trying to say to Timothy. And we'll build upon this over the next few weeks as we look at the scripture. But he's really giving him an assignment, a a purpose for which he wants him to uh, carry out. And he's really talking about pouring into him. And then Timothy is supposed to pour into the people to whom Paul has assigned him and given him instruction to pour into if I can say it this way, it's, it's spiritually speaking, church family, multiplication in the family of God happens only one way. And it is that I have learned from somebody who has been my Paul as I have been their Timothy and I've sat under and I've learned from them. And then I reach down and I turn into a Paul and I reach behind me and I pour into my Timothy and so on and so on and so on. That's the way God designed it. If you're a parent or a coach or a teacher, you know those things because it works the same way no matter what particular subject matter you're talking about. And we say here at Crossroads that we're multi-generational. What does that mean and why is it important? Why is Paul, why do we have recorded in the scriptures a letter that Paul is writing to Timothy? Is it just so that we can find a little letter that he wrote, much like maybe you might discover in Uh, your treasure chest at home, a letter from a relative or a letter that was written to you. It's not just a letter. It's showing us that God's process for multiplication is for us to pass the spiritual knowledge that we have from one generation to another. That's why we at Crossroads call ourselves multi-generational. So, why is mentoring and passing that information along important? Let me give you a a few things that I believe from what Paul says to Timothy here set the stage for some of what we want to talk about this morning. Here's the first one. Why is this passing of the baton of truth and knowledge and wisdom important? Why is mentoring, if I can use that word this morning, why is that good? Here's the first reason. Because sometimes we want to give up. 
Uh, I don't know about you, but there have been many times in the last three years I was ready to throw in the towel and say, I'm done. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's go home. Let's final quarter, two-minute warning. Let's go. I'm done. Let's get out of here. And you probably have felt that way too. There's many times in life we feel like giving up. And yet Paul is encouraging Timothy through these instructions we're going to discover as we look at more of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy to stay strong to the end. And so mentoring is good because sometimes we feel like giving up. Timothy probably felt like giving up knowing the people that he was going to encounter. He was going to Ephesus and Paul's instructions for him was to remain in Ephesus and probably more than likely Timothy at one point wanted to give up and run away. And everybody involved in any form, fashion, or shape of life at some point wants to throw in the towel and walk away and give up. Paul reminded the church at Galatia, he said, Hey, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And we all feel like giving up because the world is hard and we have challenges. And Timothy had maybe this constant affliction, the internal pressure that comes with in yourself as a leader, which is tremendous in and of itself. And then the external pressure from others that comes upon Timothy. Paul knew, hey, we need to make sure that if you feel like giving up, know that I'm here. I'm writing this letter to let you know I'm here. I'm going to support you. I'm going to stand behind you. I'm going to help you because you might feel like giving up. Another reason that I think this is so important, mentoring, and we see this demonstrated with Paul to Timothy, is because sometimes we need encouragement. We need encouragement. Timothy may have been timid or maybe reserved by nature and perhaps was intimidated by this challenge. And we're going to discover in a minute because his responsibility that Paul left him was to stay and teach sound doctrine. Which as you start studying the location that he was at the time, there were a lot of people that were giving myths and speculation and untruth and mixing a little bit of truth with untruth, which is not truth. And Paul was telling this young Timothy, I've got another assignment. I'm going to leave you here to go in there and tell them they may not be sharing the truth. I remember the first church I served in, I think I've shared this before, I was 18, a freshman at Gardner-Webb. And I walked in and they said, you're in charge of, of preschool to college students. And I remember walking into a class of college students. Many of them were, were from Gardner-Webb, 21, 22, 18, 19 years old. I'm 18. I'm the, I'm the student college preschool children janitor pastor. <laughs> and I remember walking into that class and them looking at me like, who do you think you are? You going to come here and tell us some wisdom and truth? You're just, a, you're just a little freshman. What have you got to say? It's intimidating. I needed encouragement. Another reason maybe Paul is trying to get us to see this relationship is because sometimes we doubt. All of us as, as believers have the enemy come to us and try to get us to doubt. And even, hello, even if you're a quote-unquote pastor or minister, can I just be honest with you and tell you, there are sometimes I doubt. Just so you know. Not a lot, but Sometimes. And thankfully, there's somebody, a lot of times it's you, that encourages me with an encouraging word, or a scripture, or a text, or a song. 
And so maybe he was starting to doubt. Okay, wow, Paul just gave me my assignment. I'm this new kid on the block. I'm going to go in here and tell these people that they're not really applying sound doctrine. Oh my goodness, I'm not sure I'm up to the task. I'm not sure. God, did you really call me? Really, are you sure? We see that happen all throughout the Old Testament as well with different people like Moses. So maybe he sometimes doubted. Another reason is maybe he got frustrated. Maybe he was frustrated because of this competing doctrines that were swirling around in Ephesus at the time and thought, my goodness, you know, I'm just going to leave them to their devices and to their own truth if they want to come up with their own truth. Paul knew Timothy needed his support. And I think he knew that because he remembered the why. Not just why mentoring is good. And these things won't be on your screen, so you may want to jot these down. Not just why mentoring was good, but why do we need to do it in the first place? Why is it important? Here's the first thing I think think we see from the text. Because the people under us, not hierarchy-wise, but under us age-wise, younger than us, need our wisdom. Older adults, listen to me. Wait a minute, that's me. I am an older adult now. 52, 53, just turned 53. If you're older than 53, I need your wisdom. I do not stand up here as one of the pastors of this church saying that I'm all-knowing and I know everything. I want you to know that. Like you, hopefully, I am seeking God to try to do the right thing. For myself, for my family, for us as a church. But I need your wisdom. Some of you have experienced things in your life that I have not experienced and probably will never experience. Some of you lived in generations that I will never live in, nor the generation behind me will ever experience. The generation behind me will not even relate because of some of the things that your generation went through. Teach us. Give us your wisdom. Paul tells Timothy, here's why I'm leaving you behind. Here's why I'm sending you. Here's your assignment, he says, so that, in verse 3, you can instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. Paul left Timothy a very important job to do. And the job was to make sure that correct doctrine, correct wisdom, was taught in Ephesus. Because Paul had left the Ephesian Christians some certain uh, instructions and teachings that he received from Jesus, he received from the Old Testament, and he was concerned that Timothy do everything within Timothy's power to make sure the Ephesians continued in that doctrine. Now let me just say, in our culture, in 2022, even in the church world, a lot of people do not consider doctrine important. If you don't consider doctrine important, my dear friend, what are you standing on? Doctrine is the teachings, the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word. It's remarkably unimportant to a lot of people in our society and remarkably unimportant to a lot of people who say they're believers in Jesus. In the spirit of our modern age, it's going around in our culture, it has kind of influenced even some of us who say that we're Christians. And we live in a day where, similar to how Pilate said, what is truth? We live in a culture where everybody just says, well, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. Well, then what is truth? If there's no doctrine. So Paul had left Timothy a heavy task as a young preacher boy. And Paul did this because doctrine is important to God and it should be important to God's people. Truth is not whatever it means to you. 
And we have a lot of uh, preachers in churches and preachers on television that will say, well, just read that text and tell me, what does it say to you? I don't care what it says to you. What does God say? What does God say? What does God say? You need to figure out how to apply it to you, but it's not, what is it saying to you? Well, it just says to me, I want to run like a deer through the woods and pant for water. That's what it's saying to me. We need to be people of sound doctrine. And the way that that doctrine gets past older folks is older folks pass the doctrine and the truth of God to the younger folks. Just as we see Paul doing to Timothy. They need our wisdom. That's why mentoring and this multiplication process that God has put in place that we see with Paul and Timothy is important. They need our wisdom. They also, the next generation, needs the truth. They need to teach the truth. In the ancient Greek, the word that we see here, where Paul is writing to Timothy when he says, in order that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines... Some translations say it more correctly. It says that you may charge some that they teach no doctrine. Anybody see that in your translation? That they may charge, you may charge some that teach no doctrine. That's a Greek word. It's a military word. And what it means is Paul is saying to Timothy, go out and charge them to teach sound doctrine. It's not asking. It's not suggesting. It's a military command that he's saying almost as a military officer, go out and tell them and command them to teach the truth. And the next generation that's behind us, in case you haven't noticed, a lot of them don't even know what the truth is. And those of us who are older can whine about it or we can do something about it and it's our task if we're older to pass that truth to the next generation another reason why it's important that we mentor is because it leads to godly edification the new american standard says furthering the administration of god a different translation says leads to godly edification i like that what is that saying it's talking about how it will build us up when we do the process that paul did with timothy when we're mentoring the next generation it will build up the next generation so here's a question that i asked that i wrote down as you know i write in my notes that i wrote down as i read this this week are we doing that Are we building up the next generation? Are we tearing them down? And I watch TV like you do, and I see the things that people say in social media, and a lot of what I hear that they say about the next generation is tearing them down. It's not building them up. It's not passing the baton of truth. It's not passing along wisdom. My grandfather used to say it this way. If you're tired of the darkness, turn on a flashlight. Or you can sit there and complain that it's dark all day long, but turn on on the flashlight. Well, we have the flashlight, the truth of God. If we want to pass along wisdom and truth and godly edification, as I was praying this morning driving into church, I thought, how do we do that? Because it's one thing to say, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to mentor and pass truth to the next generation because they need our wisdom, because they need the truth, because it leads to godly edification. It leads to us building up one another. But how do you actually do that? Great question. Here's a few thoughts for you as we wrap up. 
If we want to pass along wisdom and truth and godly edification, we've got to do, in my opinion, three things that we see here from what Paul said to Timothy. The first one is we have to be intentional. It does not happen by chance. Again, if you're a parent, grandparent, coach, Sunday school teacher, influencer of kids, and if you're an adult, you're an influencer of kids, then you have to be intentional. Church family, more things are caught than taught. Did you know that? I know that as a dad. A lot of things that I do and my kids now do, I'm like, ooh. Where'd they see that? And then I'm like, ooh. That was me. Oh, didn't do that right. Now it's replicating itself. More things are caught than taught. And if we're going to pass along truth and we're going to pass along wisdom from one generation to the next, we have to be intentional. Church family, I just want to tell you, again, you know this just as well as I do, the secular world is very intentional at passing along their truth to the next generation. I'm not going to get political this morning, but I could. And the way our world is going, perhaps there should be a little more politics in the pulpit than there has been. But there are major corporations on the planet where you can go play with a guy with ears in Florida. Some of you need some more hints. Okay. That are funding things contrary to God's word. Now, I'm not necessarily saying boycott those. You've got to pray about that and come up with your own conviction. But what I'm saying is those people, those corporations, those companies, those individuals have an agenda. And they are intentionally spending billions with a B, billions with a B dollars to infiltrate the minds and hearts of the next generation. So when I think about what it might cost for us to build a facility that's going to reach children, my answer is, I don't care what the cost is. Now, I do. we got to fund it. The bank won't give that. You know, they won't take that as an answer. But what I'm saying is, look at what the world is spending. They are intentional. Another thing we've got to do if we want to pass along wisdom and truth and godly edification is we have to be willing to give T.I. M-E. God convicted me of that this week. We can be so busy with our own personal agendas that aren't necessarily bad. And all of us in here have jobs, we have families, we have responsibilities, we have things to do. Can, can I just for a second wave a red flag and just say, listen, just for a second. Those things are not bad. But if there's no buffer, if there's no time left at the end of your week because of all those responsibilities to intentionally invest in the next generation, whether it be your kids, in your immediate family, your neighborhood, in this church, invest in younger people, you're too busy. And so am I. And it may require you using a word that I don't use enough, and that word is a very big word called no, and in the Greek, it is no, N-O. We've got to be willing to give time. The third thing I wrote down is we've got to be willing to share what we know. For some of us, we feel like, well, I don't know enough to pass along any truth. If you know one nugget more than the person under you, you know more. 
You don't have to be an Encyclopedia Britannica. Young people, those are these books. These salesmen used to come to your house, and they would sell these because there was not the Internet. We didn't have this Internet stuff. You had to find stuff in books. I know. Woo, scary. I know. Books. You don't have to be that smart to pass on the wisdom and truth and, dare I say it, common sense that is totally missing in our world. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to pass on some wisdom to the next generation. But you've got to be willing to share the things that you know. So what's Paul trying to say to us? Paul's trying to say to us, we have a responsibility. He's, he, he's giving Timothy a responsibility. He's giving the younger person a responsibility. But he's also acknowledging, hey, I have a responsibility to support you, to stand behind your back, to give you encouragement, to give you wisdom, to pass on what I can to you and to help you. Move down the field and do what God's called you to do. So I have prayed, church family, all week long about how to wrap up our time together this morning. And here's what I would like to do. I think we have a photo that I saw this week that my friend Heath sent to me. From Wednesday night. Worshiping. Youth Bible study. Church family, we have fun with our students, we have fun with our children, but it's not all games. They're getting the truth of God. They're getting wisdom. They're getting biblical knowledge. They're getting the things that they, they need to be able to go out in this crazy world. I hesitate to single anybody out because I know he will not want that. And we haven't even talked about it. But there's one person on that screen. I won't point him out, but he's wearing a hat. He's my friend Jonathan. Showed up several months ago to be a part of our church. Not officially joined yet. I'm working on it. But he observed a need. And within the last few months, all of a sudden it went from some old guy occasionally over there playing a guitar that I don't really know how to play, doing music for the youth, to over a few months... And I don't even know if that picture has everybody that was up on the platform. But a praise and worship team. How does that happen? He was intentional. He was willing to give some of his time. He was willing to share what he knew. Thank you. Man, if every person in this church understood the concept that God has outlined in His Word and that Paul has demonstrated with Timothy, oh my gosh. It's not about numbers, but if we did that, we'd be talking about a whole lot of different buildings we'd need around here because there'd be a lot more people in this room. It's not just the job of the professional pastor to do multiplication. It's the job of the believer 
to find a Timothy and say, come here, my son, or a Timothy, yes, come here, my daughter. I don't know what you would call a female Timothy. But to find a young boy or a young girl, a younger person, and say, I want to pour into you. Here's the challenge, and some of you know this who are a little older than me. The older that you get, the harder it is. I'm struggling with this right now, and some of you need to do this for me. I struggle to find, who is my Paul? Because I do not know everything. My dad is kind of my Paul. I don't get to spend as much time with him as I used to. But I need a Paul that's teaching me, Timothy. I become the Paul that's teaching the Timothy behind me. On and on and on it goes. That's how we multiply truth. That's how we multiply wisdom. That's how we multiply the gospel. Here's the scary part. The world's figured that out a long time ago. And I think they look at us and go, wow, I thought this was the church's idea. I thought this was God's idea. We're going to use this and multiply our truth. So this morning, if you're 24 years of age or younger, would you stand up? 24 years of age or younger. I know some of you are visiting. Thank you. If you're comfortable, if you're a visitor and you're comfortable doing this, I want to ask you to come to the front and kind of line up here, if you will. Take your time, hurry up. <laughs> Just kind of line up across the front right here. Thank you. While they're coming, those of us who aren't 24 or younger, I want you to look up here. Because in 20 years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, they will be you. They will be us. They will be the church at Crossroads. So here's the question. What kind of church do we want in 10 or 20 or 30 years? Because if we're not pouring into these people like we should be, it's not going to be the kind of church we want. And one pastor, one staff, one group of pastors cannot do it. Let's see, there's, I don't know, there's 20-something people up here. There's a lot. And by the way, this is not all of them because there's, at least last Sunday, there was 40-plus children back there that are learning about God. So here's what I want to ask you to do. And I've prayed about this all week. If you're over 24... That's the rest of us. I want to ask you a question. Would you be willing, between now to the end of the year, if I'm counting the months right, it's eight months left, to be one of these folks' mentor? You say, Pastor Jack, what does that mean? I don't, I don't know what that means for you and that person. Get their phone number. Text them. Say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to send you an encouraging text. I'm going to send you an encouraging... I'm going to call you and just pray with you on Fridays at 4 o'clock. I'm going to meet you on a Sunday morning once a month at 8.30 and let's just pray and chat. I'll tell you about how I grew up, about my childhood. I'll tell you about, you know, typing things out on the typewriter and having to push the bar across the top and, you know, whatever. I don't know what that looks like. Anything that would share wisdom into the next generation for the next eight months. If you're willing to do that, 
I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and come stand beside one of these folks. Are you willing? Who's going to lead the way? Church family, we, we, our future is, this is the hands that we're passing the future to, right here. This is the next generation of crossroads. How are we going to ensure they get wisdom and truth? We've got to be intentional. We've got to make time. You may need to spread out, Matt. Kind of go, kind of go that way toward the wall. And Jared, Lyle, y'all kind of go that way. Let's make sure every, every under 24 has an older 24. Kind of spread out, you guys. Spread out. Has everybody got somebody? Anybody? If you're missing somebody, raise your hand. Okay. This is being a multi-generational church. We can print it on our little brochure and have it on our website that we're multi-generational. But if we're not being intentional about investing in the next generation, we're not multi-generational. We're just saying multi-generational to make us feel good. So, Lynn, I'm going to ask you if you would, just to play in congregation, if you'll just bow your heads and pray for these that are up front. Those of you that are up front, I want you to take about 60 seconds to get to know the person you're standing beside because I recognize you may not know them. (laughs) If you do, that's great. Maybe exchange phone numbers, information, or email addresses real quick or say, hey, see me after the service. Map out a quick, quick plan about how you're going to stay engaged with them over the next few weeks and months. Because I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to be asking you over the next few weeks, hey, did you get with your mentee, mentors? And I want you to take just about 60 seconds. Would you pray for that person that you came up to stand with, adults, that younger person? Would you just pray for them? That they would gain the knowledge of Almighty God, the wisdom of Almighty God, the truth of God. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and you're praying, congregation that's seated. The ultimate mentor, teacher, 
is Jesus Christ. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, as we saw so beautifully evidenced through baptism of three friends this morning, I would just say to you, if you're looking for truth and wisdom, the God of the universe has all of it. And if you'll surrender your life to Him today, He will be your mentor, spiritual mentor. So if you're visiting with us today or you're in this place as you're seated and you're at that point in your life where you're saying, I'm lost, I need a leader, I need a mentor, I need direction. I mean, can I just humbly ask you right there where you're seated in the privacy of your seat and in your own heart, say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need wisdom, I need truth, and you hold all of that. You said you were the way, the truth, and the life. And I ask you, Lord, to take control of my life right now. And forgive me of my sins and I will follow after you. And if you prayed that prayer today, I just want to encourage you to, to grab me in just a moment as we wrap up our service. I'd love to celebrate with you that prayer that you've prayed to ask Jesus to be your leader, mentor, and most importantly, as Paul said, Savior. Lord, thank you for the power of your spirit that's here today. Thank you, Lord. We recognize, Lord, that you have a great calling, as you did for Timothy. You have a great calling for this church. Father God, I pray in Jesus' name that we would be so intentional about investing in the next generation that this church, 10, 20, 50, 100 years from now, if you don't come back before then, will be a major lighthouse as it is right now in this community for the ages to share the truth of Jesus. Use these friends up front here today. For those that are committing to pour into those that are younger than them, God, I pray that you empower them, give them encouragement themselves, give them faith, Lord, to realize that you have gifted them. Because all of us, even as leaders, sometimes doubt and struggle. And I pray for these that are older, Lord, that you would bring behind them someone to encourage them as they're encouraging someone younger than them. And Father, I pray that we would see much fruit from the commitment that we're making today to invest in those that are here in front today. And we'll be sure to give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give these folks a round of applause this morning? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you. You guys can slowly return to your seat. I'm grateful for you. Would you stand with me as they're returning to their seat and we'll have a closing prayer together as we head to our small group time. If you're visiting and you're looking for a small group, you're looking for a church home, I'd love to talk with you uh, after the end of the service in just a moment. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for today. Use us. Use us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed to small group time. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online.
In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.